Oops, hang on. Our Bible reading this morning is from Genesis 37. And we're going to start reading at verse 10 to 14. And then we'll skip over to 31 to 35. And the beginning of this chapter, chapter is entitled Joseph's Dreams. So that's Genesis 37, starting at verse 10. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. So then over to verse 31. Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognised it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. This is the word of the Lord. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. We have some dads who are going to come and join me on stage. I don't think we're sitting down. Are we just standing up? We have uh, Kevin, Dion, and Andrew. We're going to have a dad's chat. Do you want to just do it down there? Do you want to come up here? Come on up here. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy Father's Day. Come and stand, be- Come and stand beside me, up behind me. So, young dad, middle dad, granddad. <coughs> That's all right, I'm a granddad too. <coughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit about fathers, so let's start with your fathers. Um, what was good, best, worst, whatever you like about your dad? Well, my dad was short. a farmer. A farmer, yeah. No, he wasn't short. Uh, it was on you, my you mum's... You keep it short. It was on my mum's side. Oh, keep this short. Yes. Uh, I can't take up all sermon time. I don't mind if you do. Okay. No, my dad was a big guy. Uh, farmer, uh, it's, he thought the world of his two sons, 
Um, okay. As we grew up, it was all sports. So it was a happy time. Good. Good dad. Yes. Very good. Dion. Um, yeah, my father was a bricklayer and worked rather hard in the day, one of those people that just wore footy shorts and was very, very tanned. Um, and one of the fun things he used to do with us, begrudgingly for all us children, was take us for lovely drives in the country, <laughs> somewhere that we really didn't want to go and see things that we really didn't want to see <laughs> for no reason at all. But it was Sunday and he decided that was a good day to do it. Now a good memory for you. Fun memory, yeah. <laughs> so good dad? Very good. Yeah. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, my dad was uh, trained as a carpenter. Uh, then he was a teacher also. So uh, every school holidays we had off with him. So that was a good experience. Every school holidays we went and did different things, travelled, similar to, to yourself. But uh, that was really good, just growing up and having uh, family holidays every single time. So I didn't have to grow up like... The job that I've got where I, I don't get school holidays off, so mm. that was one good thing. So. And did you volunteer to wear that T-shirt or did someone make you? The kids said I had to wear it today. The kids. <laughs> it's a big call, mate. Best dad ever. Man, I don't know. <clears throat> okay, what about you as a dad? Well, my daughters are not here to tell, to tell you what, what I was like as a dad. But What's the toughest thing or the best thing? Either, the, toughest, the toughest thing, I was uh, an absent dad most of the time. Hmm. I worked virtually 24-7. Uh, but when I had a chance to be with my girls, I, I think we got along pretty well together. Get on well now? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, my eldest daughter's a bit like me. And like a lot of families, we clash heads quite often. Uh, and there's never, never a winner. It doesn't matter which, what happens. So it seems we're both losers together. <laughs> but we love each other. Yeah, that's the main thing, isn't it? Dion, what's the best or the toughest thing being a dad? Well, a bit of both. I was a bit like Kevin, I suppose. Like, so I've been arguing with his daughter. Yeah, I do that right now. Seventeen. So, um, being a little bit of an absent father, particularly in the in the earlier years, that was very tough. And particularly now, upon reflection, um, but you know, some of the fun things I've had through life have been exceptional. Mm. I mean, I've got a great memory of my daughter coming to church, probably around six, and insisting that she wears his beautiful Superman costume with <laughs> ripped abs. And I still remember seeing her walk down the aisle to come and get a seat, dressed as full-on Superman. Long hair, red cape, like nothing's happening, you know. So they're the fun things that you remember as a dad. Yeah. Andrew, best or toughest or both? Uh, well, toughest is just, uh, of course, work-life balance. So having a, having a job, but also you've got the family sitting at home as well. That you, It's your, your job also to look after and and, and teaching the ways of, of God as well. So that's probably the toughest that I, I see. Uh, the best is, of course, just those random things that the, the kids do that you, you kind of uh, just go, yep, they've listened to either Beck or myself and, and taken things on. So, oh. yeah, and, and even stuff that they've picked up from uh, Kids Club and Kids Church, Church. as well. So they're, they're good things to see. Anything special happening today for you guys? Or is it 
just home and normal day? No, no, I've got to be honest with you. I think I've got one child asleep who worked all night and uh, the other one off working, so I'd uh, say it's going to be casual. Yeah. Maybe lunch with my wife. That'd be lovely. That'd be lovely. <laughs> Anything happening special? Me, no, nothing, 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 nothing special on Father's Day. Yeah. yeah, it's Father's Day every day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would expect my youngest daughter will phone me when I get home this afternoon yeah. and invite me down for afternoon tea. Lovely. Best dad ever? Anything else? Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, about two minutes before coming to church, I got a phone call from work that I'll have to go in to work after church. So, But I'll be back for afternoon tea. So I think there's an afternoon tea on at a park with the rest of the extended family. Best dad ever, eh? Work. That's right. <laughs> I've, I've even, even got socks that can prove that too. <laughs> <laughs> If you've got to wear the T-shirt, it's not true. <laughs> if you need that, mate, you're in trouble. <laughs> Bless you guys. Hope you do have a nice day, even if it's a normal or a relaxing day. Yep. And I hope you get your heart's desire. We spoke to your kids, too, about you guys' as dads. Would you like to know what they said? Yes. No. How's <laughs> <laughs> the blood pressure and heart rate right now? I once... Uh, I, was the re I overheard what my son once said about me as his dad. It's very humbling to have your children describe what you think you've done a great job, best dad ever, and, <laughs> and to hear what they say. Let me ask them. Ask them. Ask, ask them this question. If, if, you, if they could change one thing about you as a dad, what would it be? And I wouldn't be surprised if they said something like, you know, wish we had more time together or wish you didn't work so hard, wish you didn't work on Sundays, or something like that, you know. If, um... Can I pray for you guys? Thank, thank you for sharing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these three dads in particular, but thank you for all our dads, the good ones and even the bad ones, because somehow through it all, you're at work shaping the next generation. Heavenly Father, Thank you for Kevin and for Dion and for Andrew. Bless them. Bless them in their marriages. Bless them in their fathering. And bless them this day. In the ordinariness of it, the normalcy of it, may they have a sense of your presence and of your pleasure. Bless them, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Thank you, guys. Oh, look out. <clears throat> My kids uh, wanted me to say... They gave me some novelty toilet paper this morning. It's got some uh, jokes on it, so they just wanted me to say one joke. Ah, They're not here, but novelty toilet, novelty paper. toilet paper. So uh, when you're doing your business, you can have a bit of a laugh. Um, Go on. What do you one? call? Oh, you're not going to open it. And, no, no, no I've, you don't know. I've, oh, I've memorised it. <laughs> what do you call a man who doesn't have shins? Tony. Tony. That's right. <laughs> What do you call a man with a spade on his head? Doug. Doug. What do you call a man without a spade on his head? Douglas. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Our reading this morning was uh, focusing particularly upon the character of Jacob. And so we didn't read all of the chapter, but I commend it to you, Gen uh, Genesis chapter 37. 
The chapter is primarily about the son, Joseph, but intermingled through all of that, you get these references to Jacob. And so on this Father's Day, we're going to have a look at young Jacob, or actually old Jacob now. Before I do that, I've also been asked for Steve and Michelle to give an announcement for them. It's Steve Malkington over here and his wife, Michelle, and their two kids um, uh, are moving to not Canberra, moving to the Central Coast, but working in Canberra, isn't it? Sydney, Sydney, working in Sydney. That starts in October. You'll be with us till the end of the year, but then family and, I guess, selling house or whatever, and then moving down there and rebuying. And so Steve and Michelle are with us for just a little while longer. So sad loss for us. Uh, They rang me. I told them to go away. I said he was the worst person on the planet. They shouldn't employ him. I tried all sorts of strategies to stop him going. So you will be... Greatly missed, mate. But while you're here, we will work you to the core. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God who is at work, that you are our Heavenly Father. And I pray this morning you might open our eyes to see truth and just get a glimpse of it, Lord, from your perspective, from our Heavenly Father's perspective, that our lives might be pleasing and honourable to you. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jacob, an imperfect father. You know, God is the one who chose your parents. God is the one who gave you, your mum and your dad, good or bad. And that God somehow through all of that is, and is still working his purposes, his plans out, and that which is best for us. Do you blame your parents for anything? Do you blame your dad for anything? Most of us grew up looking back and saying things like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be different to my dad. One of the worst things my wife says to me now is, you're just like your father. Sometimes I am. Many times I'm not. And what's intriguing now, as I look at our granddaughter, Kate's daughter, Marnie, and I think, that's my dad. She's got his gait, his little walk, he's got his mannerisms, just jumps a generation. Anyway, somehow it comes through us. Like I asked these guys, if your kids could change something about you, I wonder what it would be. Do you know what it is? That's a good question to contemplate. One of the things, I'm sure there are several, but one of the things my kids would certainly change in my life would be the same as Kevin, I think, and Dion, of being an absent father, of being so busy at doing other things that the wife is the one who raises the kids. That's certainly true in my case. In Genesis 37, verse 3, we read, and we didn't have this read out to us, but it says, Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. Jacob loved Joseph more than his other kids. He demonstrated that love by a gift. It's one of the five love languages. There are three mistakes that Joseph makes in this passage. Number one, Jacob repeats the mistakes of his father. His father did this to him, and now he's doing it to his children. 
It's often the way, isn't it? In Genesis 25, verse 28, it says, Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob, a divided family, divided by the parents, and now Jacob is doing exactly the same thing. We grow up, as I said, uh, saying, I'll never do that. I'm going to be different to my mum, my parents, my dad. I'm going to do it different to them. I won't make their mistakes. But the the reality is that we tend to repeat history. It's the German philosopher Hegel who said, the one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn anything from history. We repeat history. If I asked you the question, could you put your finger on the weakness of your dad? A weakness. Something you would want to change about him. I bet you could. I can, and my dad. And my, I have a good relationship with my dad. And then let me encourage you to ask your wife, you can do so right now if you like, just turn to her, or ask the kids. Do you do that? Do you do what your dad did? And if there was one thing you could change about your parenting, what would it be? It's worth thinking about and worth doing something about while you can. We certainly all want to be better parents, um, but we tend, like I said, repeat the mistakes, the errors of our parents and the generation before us. What we need to do is to stop blaming our parents. The buck stops with us. We are individuals and we make our own life choices. Certainly parents are a major influence, not the only influence. Ultimately, it's our responsibility that we are who we choose to be. Uh, We are responsible for who we are. But there is an interesting and a disturbing verse related to this that Jacob repeats the errors of his father. In Exodus 34 verse 7 it says, God does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children to the third and fourth generation. To the third and fourth. That's to the parents, the grandparents, the great-grandparents. So I don't know, I didn't know, you may not have either, your great-grandparents. But they did something which influenced my grandparent and then that influenced my parent and then that's influenced me. My great-grandparent is influencing me, but it also means I'm going to be influencing my children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. God has a way of working through families and working, certainly working his purposes out, but also allowing flaws to be passed on. So Jacob made a mistake. He repeated the errors of his father. Second thing, mistake Jacob made was he tried justifying his favoritism. It says in verse 3, because he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he's got a reason. Because Joseph was born to him in his old age. Actually, there is a younger child, Benjamin, but he's still a babe. He's only like two years old, maybe three years old at this stage in the story. Joseph is a teenager. He's 17. But Benjamin, the youngest child, was the one also that his favourite wife, Rachel, died giving birth to. And there could be some issues there in Jacob's attitude towards Benjamin. Joseph was his favourite. And he demonstrated that. Gave him a gift of this special robe. I'm not sure what it is. In the King James, it says a coat of many colours. Could have had different colours. Most scholars these days tend to think it was a coat which had sleeves on it which is an indication that he was not a worker. That other people, in their robes, they would be sleeveless so they could go out and work and they wouldn't get their, their sleeves dirty because there weren't any there. They would just have their bare arms. 
But to wear long sleeve was a leisurely garment. It was an indication of either authority or princely or that he wasn't required to work. He was a stay-at-home type person. While he did go out and do some things, and there would be he didn't do a lot, and wherever he went, Joseph struts around in that robe. Depending on how you see Joseph, we'll come to Joseph in a couple of weeks, but you can see him as a very arrogant, spoilt teenager who does several things that irritate his brothers, and that's certainly in this chapter. They are quite hateful towards him. The third mistake Jacob made as a dad was he repeated his father's mistakes, he tried to justify his favouritism, and the third thing is it would appear that he was very slow to correct Joseph. He was very slow to rebuke him. You read in verse 10 that if after he had a second dream, Joseph, he tells that to his brothers and his father, and when his father heard the dream, his father rebuked him, corrected him. What is this dream you've had? Do you think your mum and I are going to bow down? All the 11 brothers bow down to you? His mother, by the way, had already predeceased. And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. He was very slow to correct Joseph. And in fact, Joseph was a bearer of tales back in verse 2. When Joseph was 17, out with his brothers with the flocks, uh, he brought their father a bad report about them. One of the offshoots of bad parenting is that you allow mistakes and harmful things to develop in the next generation. Jacob was a bit late. He's 17 before he corrects him or rebukes him or whatever. We can make the same mistake. We can try correcting our teenagers when really the foundation's already laid. We have to take a different tack. Don't give up. But you need to be smarter. You need to be relational. You need to be more persuasive. Use reason, not authority. Jacob's mistakes. There are three results of those mistakes. Number one... As I said, Joseph was a tattletale, brought that bad report. And Jacob seems to have accepted it. And in fact, he even uses that because later on in the story, he's going to send Jacob, uh, Joseph, and he wants him to report back. What are they up to? Are they okay? Is everything going well? You'd be the one, the dibber who comes back and tells me. Uh, Another result is uh, Jacob, by favouring Joseph, created jealousy in the family and all the rest of the siblings Bar Benjamin, all the other ten older brothers, in giving him that coat, it just simply aggravated them even more. And in the scriptures, verse 37, in a couple of places, it says they not only hated him, but it says, I think in verse 4, they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. Weren't on talking terms. That's very common in families, isn't it? Splits between siblings or parents and child, and they're not even on talking terms. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. Anything they said was going to have some sort of toxicity in it. And then thirdly, not only was Joseph a tattletale and not only did Jacob create jealousy in his family, but he seems to have raised and accepted, almost encouraged, Joseph in being insensitive. Joseph appears to be either a remarkable character or he is totally unaware or very unaware of what his brothers were thinking and feeling about him, even though they were treating him this way. Um, 
If you could speak to Jacob, what would you say he should have done differently? But the remarkable thing in all of this, as flawed as Jacob is, and he is, we've been looking at Jacob for several weeks, and he is a growing, developing follower of the true and living God. But he's a work in process, just like we are. And yet through all of his weaknesses and flaws and ours, God is at work behind the scenes, in the shadows, somewhere off stage. God is aware of all of the details. He knows what's going on and he's making moves and he'll make counter moves. God knows what's going on. And God gave Joseph this amazing ability to be able to interpret dreams, which will come out in his story in the future as well. And God had pre-selected Joseph to be the one who would go to Egypt to pave the way to overcome the famine which was coming. And up until now, Joseph's life was pretty much spoiled. You might even want to be in Joseph's shoes, maybe. But he is about to be betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused by a married woman in Egypt, put into jail, Junjun, and he's there for several years. And he doesn't know what's going on. And Jacob goes through this terrible, bitter experience of having lost his favourite wife and now he's lost his favourite son. And God gives no hint, no clue. And God allowed it. God had a bigger picture in mind. He had simply made a move and he was moving Joseph from Canaan with Jacob and the family down to Egypt where he wanted him to develop a relationship with the Pharaoh there and eventually become a key leader in the land of Egypt. God was at work. Through all these flaws, through all these mistakes, God orchestrated, manoeuvred, worked out his purposes. And that's what God's doing in your life. No doubt Jacob blamed himself for the next 20, 22 years before he saw Joseph again. As far as he was concerned, he would never see him again, but he was wrong. He probably blamed himself. Why did I send him to go look for his brothers? Why? Jacob couldn't see and he didn't know that God was at work. Same for us. And God was involved in all of this. Through their hatred of Joseph, the brothers' plan A was to kill him. Then plan B, throw him in a a well, a dry well, and leave him there to die. Plan C emerged spontaneously where some Ishmaelites came, traders came travelling along and they just happened to see them and they changed their plans. They sold him to them who took him to Egypt. God's plan. God at work. God has a plan for you as well. Maybe you're like Jacob right now. You're in the pit of despair or you're worried about what's going on. Jacob had no idea, no hint, and God didn't tell him. And God often doesn't tell us either. Sometimes he does. Often, normally he doesn't. But he does call us to trust him. Theologians call it providence, God's providence. It simply means that God rules and that God overrules, that he is providing for us as he works out his plan. Jacob was completely convinced by the evidence of the bloodied and ripped up coat, completely convinced by the evidence and by the circumstances 
And he was completely wrong. We can be the same. Completely convinced. The evidence is clear. We think and be completely wrong. Because you're not factoring God into this. God is the God who is at work. He overrules. And he often doesn't communicate with us so that we can figure it out. But he does call us to trust him. Romans 11 verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions. Unsearchable. And his paths beyond tracing out. He is wise, he knows everything, and he is a good, good father. And he calls us to trust him. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, then providence is really a fringe benefit to that relationship. It's not the major benefit. The major benefit is forgiveness and eternal life, salvation through Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, providence, you're now part of God's plan, God's purpose. And he says very clearly in his word that he is at work and he is going to work all things together for good. All the bad stuff. All the horrible stuff. All the unjust, wrong stuff. Not forgotten. Going to be used to shape us. That's what God does here. He's going to bring correction to the brothers. He's going to bring correction to Joseph. And he's even going to bring growth and correction to Jacob. Through all of these circumstances, God was working his purposes out. We need to learn to trust him, to rely on him. When you're not sure what he is up to, just lower your voice. Lord, I don't know. I'm annoyed, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm whatever it is, but I'm waiting on you. I'm trusting you that you'll work this out. There was a theologian and a commentator who was still read uh, about 100 or so years ago, H.C.G. Mule, who said this. <clears throat> there is no situation so chaotic that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at creation, he did it at the cross, and he's doing it today. There is no situation so chaotic that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. If you're as old as me, you might remember that there used to be a kid's thing on ABC television after school called Mr Squiggle. Do you remember Mr Squiggle? Who's never heard of Mr Squiggle? eight-year-old boy over there. Remember Mr. Squiggle? Doesn't matter what shape or mess was presented to him, this puppet with a pencil on his nose would, on its side, or turn it upside down, he'd put a dot or he'd put a mark or something and suddenly turn it into something else. From chaos, a squiggle, came a likeness to something else. That's what God does. Takes the squiggles. Adds something, takes away something, and turns it into something else. So we learn from Jacob that God is a God who is at work in our world. That's why it's part of our mission statement. We need to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, trust in him, not rely on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our paths. He's the perfect father. And on this Father's Day, let me draw your attention to that. No parent is perfect. Some are good and some are better than others. 
but we all have flaws and faults. Hebrews 12 verse 10 says, a father disciplines their child as they think best. That's what we do. We do our best. But God disciplines us for our good. We think we're doing our best. We're trying to do our best, but often, sometimes rather, we do it wrong. We discipline when you're frustrated or cranky or you rebuke your children in front of other people and you do things wrong as a parent. But God is the perfect parent. So whether you had a good dad, a shocker of a dad, a terrible dad or an absent dad, and you may struggle to call God your heavenly father, let me help you this morning by redirect your intention. The perfect frame of reference for all of us is Jesus. Jesus is the one who says, John 14 verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you want to know what a perfect father is like? Look to Jesus. He accepts us as we are. He loves us as we are. He will correct us and direct us, but he'll never desert us. And he'll give you all the time in the world that you need. So Jacob, despite his flaws, God worked, achieved his plan. And God is still at work and God still has a plan. And despite you, despite me, God will achieve his plan in your life, in the lives of the next generation and the next generation until God's plan comes to fruition. What we need to do is to release our kids to our Heavenly Father's care and trust God to work through flawed, broken vessels, but to love and to teach and to direct them according to his will and his ways. Jacob, imperfect father. Jesus, the picture of a perfect father, our Heavenly Father. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and all the granddads and all the special uncles. Let's pray. Thanks, Father, for the story, the reminder through Jacob that you're the God who is present, the sovereign one, and the one who is at work. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us for our sins. We ask, Lord, too, that you might forgive us for our mistakes our flawed characters where we have hurt our children or our partners and ask that you might shape us to being more like yourself that you might help us to trust you in the good times and in the hard times in the strange times and in the awful times to look to you not to rely on our own understanding or try to do it and fix it ourselves, but rather to look to you and to rely on you to direct our paths and for you to achieve your will and your purposes because that is the best. We ask and pray submissively in Jesus' name. Amen.